0: Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed medical management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. We uh, do this every week, and we cover almost everything you can think of when it comes to health, welfare, aging, with a lean toward older folks, but not only.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We've had quite a few different topics that we've talked about.
0: As a provider uh, with WellMed, you see a lot of Medicare-eligible seniors. Absolutely. And the issue (laughs) we're going to take up today is one I know must drive you crazy. You've experienced it in your own life. Absolutely. Seniors who fall, break arms, legs, hips. And your mother recently broke a hip.
1: Absolutely. She did um, earlier in in this month. Um, She had a fall, just suddenly had been walking around and doing fine. She got dizzy and fell in the bathroom and broke her hip.
0: And she's 89. 89 years old. And was doing great.
1: She was doing, I mean, she's got a little bit of a memory issue. And so we were struggling with that, but she was very functional, um, able to walk around independently with her little walker, but um, for the most part doing well. And this hip fracture has really changed her mobility status.
0: Where were you when you got the call?
1: I was in clinic. I was working. Yeah. And
0: you remember when they called you? What they say to you?
1: Absolutely. Well, I, you know, looking at my phone after I'd been talking to a patient and having several missed calls from <laughs> my sisters. Um, my mother lives with one of my sisters um, back back in a small town. But um, you know, just you know, they were in the process of calling the ambulance and trying to figure out how they were going to get her to the hospital and couldn't move her initially because the way that she was wedged between the wall and the toilet, they couldn't pick her up. So they had to wait for the for the ambulance guys to come and get her out of there, so wow. it was a tough, tough few hours there.
0: She in the town you grew up in?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Real small town, South yeah. Texas,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Not far from the border.
1: Not far from the border at all.
0: And she's doing a little better. She's a in a rehab. Bit better.
1: She is in a rehab. Hopefully, we'll be home very soon. Actually, known as Sniffs. Sniffs. Yes. So she's in the sniff currently, but um, and you know, just it, it's been incredible how much mobility she's lost. Like she's been you know, pretty close to bed bound for the first couple of weeks, and now is just barely starting to make some progress with um, physical therapy.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, let's bring in our special guest who's had a similar experience in her life Dr. Cheryl Tapp Winchell, doctor of, osteop- doctor of osteopathy down at WellMed at Sebastian on the Treasure Coast in Florida, earned her medical degree at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, completed her internship at Columbia Hospital in West Palm Beach and her family medicine residency at Palmetto General Hospital in Hialeah, Florida. Dr. Winchell, it's good to talk to you again.
2: Hello. It's good to talk to you guys. Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's well, nice to be back. Not a lot of our guests make it back again, but you're in that category of a wonderful guest. So, not that and the I others And I feel aren't. very
2: blessed to be so. Thank well,
0: you so much. We're delighted to have you here. Now, you heard uh, uh, Marissa talk about her mom falling. You've had an experience in your family.
2: Yes, and I do remember my mom... She's actually a very active lady and, um, you know, has her aches and pains that everybody does in the 70s and just had a sudden slip in the kitchen. My dad happened to step out to go to, I think, a dentist or eye doctor, of course, you know, somewhere, and there she was when he got home. Um, so unlike your mom, you know, they were able to get her and do all those things together, but it was, you know, pretty traumatic. She's doing really well now other than, like I said, her, you know, normal – well, not normal, but – it's extraordinary just to see people go through this. For her situation, it was water on the floor, and that's, you know, I think what we're going to talk about today is how do we prevent this? You know, how do we stay strong? How do we, you know, prevent not only a fall, but if we can fall, do we have the strength to catch ourselves correctly, you know, the wherewithal to catch ourselves correctly, and, you know, what happens when we get down there too, but also preventing. So.
0: And it turns out, does it not, falls are so common, Among seniors?
2: Yes. Yeah, I would say I think it's um, about one in four seniors. I think I saw that somewhere fall every year. I believe it's one of the most common um, reasons for injury, if not the most common, in an elderly person. And anything can happen. It can be the sidewalk. You know, we're going to talk about, hopefully, rugs and chairs and, you know, how do we avoid these things? But not only that, how do we prevent it with exercise and strengthening and awareness?
0: She's Dr. Cheryl Tap Winchell, a doctor of osteopathy at the WellMed at Sebastian, Florida Clinic. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Marissa Charles, our co-host, is here. We are talking falls prevention. So, Dr. Winchell, why don't you take us through the house? and take off your doctor hat, put your realtor hat on, and you're showing us a home. As you walk in the front door, where do we begin looking for risk of falls and other injuries?
2: Well, here in Florida, going into a lot of the houses that are these modular type homes or mobile homes, campers, we have a lot of uh, seniors that travel, and the campers are some that are the most difficult because of those steps that they pull out and are that metal kind of shaky, having, uh, yes, a traveling arm rail, I always recommend those. Or if you could have some type of modular device that you can make to put up so that it's much more stable, some type of wooden device or, you know, even something that you can secure right to that uh, camper. Um, And that front step, if it's not elevated, you know, we have those little areas that we step over where the door seals it, And those are very detrimental. So it's just making sure that they're marked really well. You you can put tape. Lighting, of course, is so very important in those areas, especially if you're coming in through a dark entry, especially at night. Um, I really like the sensor lighting. Those do help a lot. And you can have them outside, obviously, for censoring. But we actually have them in our house. um, And we have that because we have a long hallway that guests frequently will stay and the bathroom's down the hallway, so we put that little battery-operated sensor light for our guests, and we actually leave it there all the time because it helps us, too. Um, and then having those long hallways, rugs, of course, are can be a major problem. So the ones with the little shag uh, strings on the end, those can be more problematic because they can very easily trip you having rugs that stay firm to the bottom, you know, to the floor themselves with the adhesive tape potentially. But rugs in general, the more you can move them out of the way a little bit better. And then with carpet, um, the other part too is what are we wearing on our feet with rugs and carpet and do we have uh, shoes that stick to the carpet or shoes that don't stick to our feet? We could go on and on doors and furniture um, sliding glass doors with the entry and exit of those can be very detrimental because they can be wide, especially like a three-long uh, sliding glass door. Um, once again, lighting, and where do you place your furniture?
0: You know, it's interesting how, how sensitive we are to just a couple inches change in height. We, through muscle memory, when you walk up a set of stairs, you get used to what that distance is, uh, but you, you go over to someone else's house, and maybe that last step or first step, depending if you're going up and down, is different and it becomes a trip hazard.
2: Right. Absolutely. It, it's an, amazing. Not only that trip hazard, but I've seen several people. I think you guys probably have sliding glass doors go right into the sliding glass
0: doors. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yes.
2: Thanks for that. Putting little stickers on your on your doors and the lighting once again.
0: That's a really good point. That is a great point. Although I mentioned to a friend the other day, if we don't get our windows clean, we'll never have to worry about people running into them. It's, True. You can't see out of them. Right. For you as a, a, a provider, when you have uh, your first touch patient come in, they're new to you, uh, you introduce yourself, do you, you cover these kinds of issues early on, falls and risk prevention?
2: We absolutely do. I appreciate you bringing up that first touch because that was something I was going to mention, some of the screenings that we do here specifically in WellMed, that's part of our routine um, intake, I guess you would call it, for our new patients, and then regularly as preventative screenings. The one specifically, the neuropathy screen for lower extremity neuropathy with nerve conditions, which can create a sensitivity to falling, instability, Um, you know, developing wounds on your feet and things like that, things like that go along with neuropathy as well. So if you have neuropathy, a lot of people don't know it. Why don't they know it? Because it's very early or it's a nerve condition that you have a numbness. And so do people always sense numbness? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's an itchy feeling or a hot feeling or sometimes no feeling at all. And so that's why screening for it is so important. And then once they have it or even are close to a threshold of, Okay, well, you're at a three now. If you get to a four or five on this one number, you know, neuropathy is more prevalent and more problematic for you, and so how do we treat that? It's difficult to treat sometimes, but more of a supportive maintenance, watching your feet, watching your balance, and so that's one specific test that we do in our first touch, and we talk about very, very thoroughly in our visits. Peripheral vascular disease, same thing. We screen for it in our first touch. It can create cramping. The cramping in your legs and feet can make you feel funny when you walk and you'll, you know, pick your feet up or not pick them up as well if they're hurting. Um, And that can, of course, cause problems just with the walking and the, the dexterity. Osteoporosis screening, we do frequently review that. Having the screenings for osteoporosis done. And then also how do you prevent osteoporosis or treat it if you have it with exercise, strengthening, vitamins, and awareness on fall.
0: You mentioned neuropathy. I think diabetes.
2: Yes, of course. So, of course, we screen for diabetes. If you don't already have it, we'll screen you for it. But definitely keeping diabetes under control. And then another frequent thing that we see here, we are screening for diabetes much earlier. And we have now a diagnosis that we've been using for years that maybe not a lot of people know that we use. It's pre-diabetes. And it's generally by fasting blood glucose that we see early elevations on fasting or that three-month blood sugar check average, the hemoglobin A1C that we check, of course, on diabetics, but also screening for non-diabetics. And that can also create an impact on neuropathy, just having early blood sugar elevations.
0: I'll share with you uh, something that my, my former PCP did that got my attention Uh, Dr. Richard Press is also a well-med physician. Uh, Oh, yes, he's wonderful. (laughs) He's a cool guy, and uh, I've only left him because they built a clinic one minute from my house versus 35, 40 minutes Mm -hmm. to see Richard. He understood. But I walked into his clinic for my regular six-month checkup, and and sitting on the exam table is a glucometer uh, for, you know, diabetics used to check their blood sugar levels, and it's sitting there. And he's talking to me, and he's talking to me about all kinds of stuff. And, and and then toward the end, he said, you see that there? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm sending that home with you because we're, we're worried about your A1C, and uh, you may be in that pre-diabetic stage. Well, that got my attention. Having it sit there for the entire exam and then explain why it was there, man, what a wake-up call.
2: I like that. I might have to take
0: that one. It, let me tell you <laughs> something. You don't. You don't have to say a word. It's just perfect. Right. And uh, knock wood, I changed the way I eat, and and it's worked out. I'm okay, but uh, it it certainly uh, led me down a path of eating healthier.
2: So many different things can be affected by diabetes. So that's great. Yeah, the awareness is there, and that's why we screen so so early.
0: When you think about the kind of issues we're talking about falls prevention and and the other risks of injury at home. Uh, Most of us, uh, and and it may be different in Florida, uh, but you buy a house and there are no grab bars in uh, the bathrooms where uh, they might be very useful. People will end up holding onto the towel rack, which pulls off the wall, and they get injured that way. In Florida, are uh, bars mandated in bathrooms?
2: No, they are not mandated as far as I know. We actually will utilize a team of people called occupational therapists. Usually they'll go out to the house, especially after some type of hospitalization, you know, surgery, hip replacement, something like that. But also just for our patients that are becoming more unsteady, we can use a gait instability or unsteady walking for the diagnosis. Arthritis, of course, creates that neuropathy, like we were talking about vascular disease. We have the occupational therapists go to the house And they review the home with the patient in their house and give them very good tips on furniture placement, rugs, things, you know, moving your dishes to a lower place in your cupboards or picking them up off of low places higher up so that you're not having to reach down so far to get them out of the cupboards, stop using heavy pots and pans that you would really have to struggle lifting and moving can create an impact on how you transfer And those occupational therapists can give us really good information on the needs that patients have. It sometimes can be difficult to get them the help that they need, and so we have case managers that use community support to get those resources and funding for our patients that can't necessarily afford it. But it is really something that we've seen a lot of benefit from the occupational therapists and physical therapists getting involved with our patients in their homes that way.
0: So you don't want me standing on the three-legged stool to reach the upper shelf. Okay. Stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back. I'm Ron Aaron, talking with Dr. Cheryl Tap Winchell. She's with Wellmed at Sebastian down in Florida, and our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles, is here. You're listening to Wellmed Radio on 9:30 a.m. The Answer.
1: You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number, and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866 866- 342 342 One more time. 866
0: We are rocking and rolling on false prevention. Rocking and rolling may not be the thing to do. I'm Ron Aaron, Dr. Cheryl Tap Winchell with us on our Wellman at Sebastian, Florida hotline, and our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles, in studio. We're talking about falls prevention, uh, the numbers of folks injured every year. Uh, and, and I was just kidding, Dr. Winchell. She mentioned bringing the uh, uh, occupational therapist to try to work that kitchen around so you're not climbing on that three-legged stool, right?
2: Correct, absolutely. And no rocking and rolling, please. And, you know and I'm small, sure I guess, you've right?
0: seen people balancing on three-legged stools in the kitchens.
2: Do I see them? I've had so many patients. I have a lady that recently came in and she had a fall out of her attic because she was home alone now. She's a widow and fell out of her attic with one of those ladders that the ladder went sideways or somehow the hinging broke. And yeah, she had a very, very bad injury. So people are getting up on all kinds of things that maybe they shouldn't necessarily get up on, especially by themselves.
1: Absolutely. I I see it all the time as well. People falling off the stools, changing light bulbs. You know, it seems like something that would happen, you know, so easily that they used to maybe do before with no problems, right. but um, considering all those possible, you know, diagnoses and the neuropathies and the PVD, all of that contributes to increased risk of falls, dizziness, vertigos. Oh, we see so many of those problems.
0: Ask me how my dad broke both his legs.
1: How did your dad oh my break goodness, his legs?
0: Slid down a ladder after cleaning gutters at their home.
1: That'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. So, Amazing. So what are some other uh, mobility aids maybe that patients can use to try to reduce falls?
2: The aids, well, of course, you know, canes and walkers and things like that. I do like the canes that are self-standing, especially when patients just first start using them because they can set them down and use it more of a device, I think, to remind them to be careful Without the four prongs on the bottom where the cane can stand up, they'll have to keep it with them all the time. So I do frequently recommend that they move on to that so they don't put it down someplace and then leave it standing there by itself as you wander off. (laughs)
0: That's right. And you see them every (laughs) once in a while. After I had knee replacement surgery and and used a cane for for a little while, I had used a walker too. I had never realized how helpful a walker could be.
1: Well, for the right patient, especially the ones with
2: the seats on them and the little basket, some people it becomes one of their best friends. They have little, you know, designs on them. I call them their little buggies. And initially, people are very hesitant to use them, and then realize it can be a great service to
0: them. Yeah, well, I suffered that. You know, what are people going to think? Well, they're going to think you need a walker. (laughs) That's right. That's that's what they're going to think. Big deal.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, with, with my mom in particular, though, because she has a little bit of dementia. That type of walker that has a little handbrakes was too hard for her. She actually could not figure out how to use right. the handbrakes. And so you do have to think about that with some of our patients too, though.
0: I, I'm cheap. I had a stripped-down version. Is that I, right? Yeah, mine was off the used car lot. <laughs> <laughs> there were no bells and whistles. But well, you the know, job.
1: sometimes the, the standard aluminum walkers can be helpful too. That's what too. it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Uh, in the home itself, we had talked about uh, getting bars put up, grab bars in in bathrooms. Uh, For folks who are uh, concerned about getting that kind of help, you mentioned uh, that at your uh, clinic you do have a team of people who will go out. Uh, How do you find somebody if you don't have that access?
2: Generally, it's requesting the service through your primary care physician. Other people, of course, know about it. Other specialists, orthopedics, rheumatologists may even request it independently as a service for their patient. Um, the resources that you can get through the community for getting the grab bars put into the home would be something that our case managers help us with. With Internet today, though, if you have access to that, there's all kinds of social organizations. I don't know if, you know, Salvation Army or something like that would get involved, but finding those resources and then having someone install them. We've had patients who've had outside their home Uh, ramps and things like that, Place the grab bars outside of the home for railings. And so there's a lot of resources out there in the community that can help. So I would recommend always just discussing it first with your primary care physician.
0: The WellMed Charitable Foundation, uh, every year for the past several years, has given a grant to the uh, Ramp Foundation in Texas, ramps across Texas, who do exactly what you're talking about. And many of the WellMed uh, employees have volunteered to help build ramps. And, The most amazing thing, Uh, I've emceed some of those events, and we've had some of the recipients uh, of those ramps come and talk. There was one gentleman who hadn't left his house literally in years, had not left his house because he couldn't get uh, out the front door and down uh, stairs on his uh, wheelchair, and that was the only way he got around. And they put a ramp in. I mean, I could cry now. Everybody started crying. When he told that story. Yeah, that's incredible. It's in, look what you've done for somebody uh, in terms of improve their quality of life. It, it's amazing. We'll
2: have so, to get that here in Florida, hopefully. I know we have some services, but ho- I'm, I'm wondering if we have that here. So I don't we'll
0: know. We'll have to look into that for sure. Google it. Ramps Across that's Florida. Right. Yeah, hopefully so.
1: And if not, maybe that would be a fun project to start. Uh,
0: and, that's right. And, and then okay. you were going to jump in here.
1: Oh, I was just going to talk about, you know, we talked a little bit about prevention and what are some other exercises and activities that patients can do to reduce their risk of falls?
2: So speaking of WellMed, we were very blessed to have an uh, enlargement of our office several years now ago, and I've always wanted to do chair exercises with patients. I do some of it in the exam room with them when they come into the office, and we do try to spend more time, you know, as much time as we can cool. reviewing all that we can while they're here in the office, but, it, you know, of course, is limited So we started doing chair exercises. Of course, we were stopped because of some stubborn things that are going on in the world these days. Um, We started doing it approximately, hmm, I don't know, six months ago maybe, and I think we got two or three classes in. And long came COVID. What's that?
0: Long came COVID-19.
2: That's right. Chair exercises, I really feel, are the best way to start, especially if somebody is sedentary or having issues. And we call them chair exercises because most people think, well, yes, I'm sitting in the chair. And so doing the arm exercises, of course, is the first thing that you can think of starting with safely without ups and downs and using your legs, just picking up your knees off the feet, off the floor, straightening your legs out straight so that you engage your thighs, and then standing up and sitting down, adding hand weights, and then standing behind the chair and doing exercises with the chair as a device, of course, one that's very steady or pushed up against a a wall or somewhere so that the chair doesn't slide. But those are great ways to start somebody out who hasn't been active. And then trying to remember to strengthen the outside part of your hips and pelvis, the lateral sides, because when we fall down or when we walk or move, we're always going backwards and forwards in the front and back, but we do frequently forget about the outside part, and we rarely fall just directly forward. So, Having the ability to move your leg quickly and be strong in your landing to the outside part of your legs is very, very important. That's something I really encourage in our patients.
0: And the same is true with uh, other exercises, arms, uh, they'll give you that kind of strength, perhaps to grab something as you're falling.
2: Absolutely, definitely.
0: When you get a call about a patient who is in the hospital, broke a hip, uh, what what are the first things you think of, Dr. Winchell?
2: Well, as a doctor, I think we think about blood clots because now they're laying in bed. Of course, the risk with surgery, if that's necessary, and very frequently it is, sadly. You know, what type of surgery? Will it be a replacement or some type of repair? And then getting them up as quickly as we can. If it's a true replacement, we get them up, you know, that day or the next day. Sometimes I know um, my mom was up pretty quick and was surprised about that. In, without a full replacement, it does take some time and sometimes they have to be no weight bearing at all, but it's really getting back up as quickly as you can, learning how to use your legs, making sure if there is any discrepancy in leg length, meaning one leg might be a little longer or shorter because it is a you know side effect or a problem that can occur after surgery, that you have proper footing, you're aware of that and fix your shoes if you need to. Uh, and then just getting back to walking and being safe and strong.
0: Well, we got to stop you right there, and it's a great way to end it. Thank you. You've been a great guest, uh, as always. And, and we will get you back on, uh, Dr. Winchell, uh, down in uh, Wilmot at Sebastian. Thanks, Thank Cheryl. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. She's fun. She was great, yeah. yeah. Knows everything about falling. She does.
1: Well, Well, you know, treating seniors, you've yeah, you, got to get there.
0: Yeah, you, you do, too. Yep. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Marissa Charles, our co-host. We will talk with you soon right here on WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.